Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I'm Gage Jordan, assistant pastor of Youth and Families at First Presbyterian Dyersburg in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Gage, here we are uh, picking back up after a, a little bit of a break, picking back up on our series on Christ in the Old Testament. We're going through the Old Testament and helping people see how to read the Old Testament in a Christ-centered way. The Old Testament is a book that is often bewildering for a number of Christians. They don't know what to do with it. They just skip it. Some of them don't know it at all. Uh, so they either don't understand it or they misunderstand it or they just ignore it altogether. And today we are at a book uh, that is one of the most perplexing for a number of Christians, at least in the Old Testament, uh, and that is the book of Leviticus. But before we uh, before we go there, just a couple, just a quick housekeeping. Assurance of Pardon is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasts, and we would encourage you to check out uh, Distilling Theology, Guilt, Grace, Gratitude, uh, a number of the great podcasts uh, that are uh, that are partnered with us. Check them out as well and give them some love. Uh, you can find them at reformedpodcasts.com. Is that right, Gage? Yeah, or also to make it kind of easier on you, um, they have it where the RSS feed for every podcast that's in the Society of Reform podcast can be found in one spot. So if you wanted to just find on wherever you you listen to your podcast, uh, the Society of Reform podcast, um, that'll give you kind of a rotation of all the various podcasts available, including Assurance of Pardon. Including Assurance of Pardon. All right. Well, today we're talking about the book of Leviticus. Uh, which has a lot of tough stuff in it, a lot of tough stuff. And a number of Christians, Gage, have been tripped up by this. Uh, they will have someone say to them, oh, you're a Christian? Well, uh, so you believe the Bible is God's word? And the unsuspecting Christian will say, absolutely. And you believe that we can't just pick and choose what we're going to believe in the Bible? And the Christian says, oh, no, that's right. We have to believe the whole thing. And they'll say, "Oh, well, then, uh, what about this that uh, that shrimp salad you're eating? What about the two different weaves of clothing that you're wearing?" Uh, and I know Christians who have been just kind of caught flat-footed, mm -hmm. and they've never known what to say. Uh, they might say, "Well, that's the Old Testament," and the person would say, "Well, so is the Ten Commandments. Do we not have to? Can I kill? Can I commit adultery? Can I lie? Do I have to honor my father and mother?" Uh, can I have other gods before God? And so some very crafty unbelievers have really sought to tangle up Christians over this issue, especially about books, a book about the book of Leviticus. So uh, Gage, help us understand how we can understand the book of Leviticus in a Christ-centered way. Do we just throw it away and ignore it? Yes, Scott. So um, really, honestly, not only do you run into issues in apologetics conversations with those that are hostile to the scriptures? But even personally, 
Uh, Leviticus is often the book in your Bible reading plan throughout the year. You know, you got your New Year's resolution and you're 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 trekking through whatever Bible reading plan you're doing, you version or otherwise. And Leviticus is normally where you run into your first kind of speed bump. This is where this is where your your Bible reading plan goes to die because you don't understand what's happening. You're reading, like you said, all the different laws and all the things that are going on, and it doesn't make sense for whatever category of reasons your church doesn't really teach anything about the old testament or you've um not really understand the use of the law or or whichever and you you don't have the categories to kind of wrestle with that but here's a helpful tip for us to start as we're asking the question as we do with every old testament book in this series what's this have to do with jesus how does this get me to jesus how do i understand jesus his life, death, and resurrection, his finished work of redemption for me in light of this Old Testament book. Hebrews is the best commentary on the book of Leviticus. It is, right. it is literally the Holy Spirit giving you commentary to understand what's happening in, in Leviticus in the New Testament. And so when you read Leviticus, as a, even as we start, as we, we dig into, and, and we're going to highlight some things in this book, um, the next time you read Leviticus, read Hebrews next to it. Read them in parallel. Read one chapter and one chapter if you need to, to kind of understand what's happening. And it's going to change the game on how you understand Leviticus. It's going to enhance the way in which you understand what's happening in this particular Pentateuch book. Um, and really it's even going to enhance your Bible reading and understanding what God was doing in the new Testament. Amen. I mean, because what's going on, let me just, let, let me just sort of, uh, cut to the chase. Uh, what's going on in the book of Leviticus is lots of, lots of animals are being sacrificed. Lots of priests are going in repeatedly into the Holy of Holies to offer sacrifices over and over and over again uh, because because those sacrifices must continue because they can't take away our sins. That's it. Um, and so uh, when we get to Hebrews chapter 9, and I, I might encourage you, if you are struggling to understand Leviticus, I might encourage you to stop reading it and go read Hebrews and then come back and read Leviticus. Uh, or like you said, have them both open at the same time. But, you know... Who is Jesus? He is our great high priest. Listen to what Hebrews 9.11 says, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption, right? An everlasting redemption. For Here it is. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. That's Hebrews chapter nine, verses 11 through 14. Hey, Scott, real quick. How, how were you able to read that on your, your screen? Were you using a certain Bible software to help you with that? I, yeah. Logos Bible software. Yeah. Thank you for asking. It's so, so good of you to ask that. Yeah. Logos Bible software. 
Man, man, if only you could go to assuranceofpardon.com and get a 10% discount on, on your investment, you too could have Logos Bible software. So shameless, shameless plug aside, that's it, right? Like at the end of the day, the argument of the writer of Hebrews is if the sacrifices were enough, we wouldn't have been looking for more. And we look for more in Jesus, that that the entire system of the sacrifices, everything from uh, the blood of bulls and goats down to the pigeon for those that are too poor to be able to afford bulls and goats, um, all of that points to Jesus. Because incidentally, guess who was too poor to afford bulls and goats? Mary and Joseph, right? That's right. Um, like all of these things point to Jesus. And really, any time that you're reading uh, the Gospels, whether it's the Gospel of Mark or whether it's Matthew or John or whichever, um, and you get to a part that's Jesus having a showdown often with the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the scribes, and they're, they're taking umbrage with um, what he's doing, right? You can't do that, Jesus. You can't He'll he'll a man man's wither hand on the Sabbath, or you can't pick grain or whatever. All of those things really are conversations about Levitical law. That that at the end of the day, they didn't like the way in which Jesus interpreted the Levitical law uh, because he did it differently than they did. Really, though, all you have to do is go back to Leviticus and you start to see really this crimson thread of what Jesus is doing. Let me give you just a few instances. Um, for example. Anytime that it talks about Sabbath law, that's right. going to be in Leviticus. So when Jesus uh, goes and he heals the man with a withered hand and the Pharisee or the Pharisees are upset because the disciples are picking grain on the Sabbath, what does Jesus say? I mean, did not David uh, do what is unlawful and go into uh, the temple and eat, eat the bread of the presence and share it with his mighty men while they're at war? That's a Levitical law conversation. Right. Um, when he says, I, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, I, even so, the Son of Man is the, is the Lord of the Sabbath. It's at that point that they want to destroy him. Why? Because he's using Levitical law in a way that they can't comprehend. That's but right. all he's really doing is actually interpreting for them how they were supposed to be reading it in the first place. And right? the test, this is the, go ahead. The testimony of the New Testament is that Jesus is who the Old Testament was always pointing to. Absolutely. From the road to Emmaus, when, when it says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Or consider uh, maybe when, when Paul in Romans 3 says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Paul claiming that the law, that is Leviticus, is bearing witness to Jesus and what he would one day come to do. Yes. One of my favorite uh, rap albums of all time, um, Reach Records produced um, an album called 13 Letters. And it's basically the rappers were taking us through the Pauline epistles. And when it gets to Galatians, the thing that I still to this day remember in the chorus is the law was instituted to lead us to Christ. Like the Levitical law is meant to lead you to Jesus. Uh, and, and so, you know, you referenced um, Paul. Think about what Jesus said. I didn't come to abolish the law. 
I came to fulfill it. You know, oftentimes when you were referencing that apologetics conversation, people will say, well, that was the Old Testament because they have this concept that like, well, we're New Testament Christians. We've talked about this time and time again on the show. We're New Testament Christians. So obviously the Old Testament is something else. And so that doesn't really apply to us. Uh, But Jesus didn't come to get rid of the Old Testament. In particular, he didn't get come to get rid of Leviticus. Leviticus is actually given to you so the spirit can drive you further to Jesus. So even if it's not an argument about Sabbath, let's say you're back in the Gospel of Mark. You know, we're going through the Gospel of Mark at First Prez right now. And uh, let's say you're having a conversation about fasting in Mark chapter two. There's three groups of people in this conversation about fasting. There's the disciples of John, there's the the Pharisees' disciples, and there's Jesus' disciples. And the frustration that John and the Pharisees' disciples have with Jesus' disciples is they don't fast the way they do. Well, what you actually find out is the only time that fasting is actually corporately commanded by God is in Leviticus during the Day of Atonement. There is no other call for a corporate fast throughout the, the rest of the Old Testament. But the Pharisees had made it such that they were interpreting the Levitical law that you needed to fast twice a week. And so John's disciples had just kind of picked up where they left off. And so now they're confused that Jesus' disciples don't fast the way they do. That's a Levitical conversation. Or maybe you skip up a little further and you see that Jesus interacts with the leper. To understand the depth at which Jesus goes to identify himself with the unclean in this moment and the thing that he risked to make the unclean well, you got to go back to Leviticus. You got to see that there's three chapters worth of leprosy law. What do you do when you interact with a leper? What happens when you have leprosy? And what do you do with your house if you think your house may have been infected by leprosy? All of that to drive you to the point to see that Jesus identified with us in our uncleanness, that he risked what he risked to be with us, to take the uncleanness on himself, to become the outcast so that we may live. Yeah. And, and, and what is, what is, uh, John one says, uh, that he, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It tabernacled among us that Jesus became God with us in a, in a special way. And if he is not only is Jesus our great high priest, he's the sacrifice. So what you have with Jesus as he ascends into the true holy of holies, the one in heaven, the true holy of holies, there's the priest going up into the holy of holies, but where's his sacrifice? Every other priest would have had to take a sacrifice into the Holy of Holies. But Jesus is the only priest who enters into the Holy of Holies, who is not only the priest, but he himself is the sacrifice. Brian Chapel in the Gospel Transformation Bible, which if you don't have, is just a, a crossway put it out a number of years ago, uh, a super helpful a way to read the Gospel into the Old Testament, uh, just a study Bible. Um, he says, in order to read Leviticus well, we must therefore remember these two things. Number one, the many ways that Jesus has become the far greater priest who intercedes for us on the basis of his perfect and far greater atoning sacrifice. 
And two, that obedience to God's law is not meant to earn his salvation, but to be an appropriate response to the salvation he has so richly provided. Where is the gospel in Leviticus? On every page. Amen. Amen. And let me let me show you just a few more examples. You know, we talked about leprosy. We talked about Sabbath. We talked about fasting. Let's talk about clean and unclean for a minute. Before we get to Leviticus 16, which deals, deals with the Day of Atonement, Leviticus 15 deals with laws about bodily discharges. Now, that's just that sounds gross, right? What's that got to do? Why is that in the Bible? What's that got to do with Jesus? Well, let me take you to a story in the Gospels. There's a woman with an issue of blood, and she has been bleeding or bodily discharging for 12 years. And she thinks to herself, all I've got to do is touch the hem of his robe and I'll be made well. What's that? What's that? What's Leviticus 15 and the laws about bodily discharge got to do with Jesus? Everything. Because it's, it's reminding you of this moment in which the woman with the bodily discharge realizes that the, the son of David, the one she's been waiting on, her healer is there. So now then you read the Day of Atonement in Leviticus 16, and you recognize that there's, a, as the Luther calls it, there's a great exchange. That in this moment, there's this scapegoat on which the sins of the people go, and it gets sent out, and the, and the blood is sprinkled and the sins of the people are forgiven because all of the sins and all the shortcomings and all the failures are put on this uh, scapegoat and sent out on behalf um, of, of the people so that the people could be made well. So this woman in this moment in her uncleanness, where it would have driven her away from the community like that scapegoat, now she is made clean. Here, Jesus goes to the outskirts, which is what Hebrews says, that he he goes outside the city. We must go outside with him and bear his reproach because he bared, bared our, our reproach on his behalf. Everything in Leviticus is pointing us to Jesus. You're talking about clean and unclean again. Maybe we're not talking about bodily discharge. Maybe we're talking about animals. What, what's that got to do with Jesus? Well, again, think about what Jesus was doing. Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians that he was tearing down the wall of hostility between Jews and Gentiles and taking the two men and making them one in this new humanity called church, right? And as he's doing that, there's this history of redemption change in the book of Acts where there's things we've talked about this before, things that are descriptive, things that are prescriptive. Peter has a vision because he's not really sure what to think about all the Gentiles coming to, in, in, to faith and receiving the Holy Spirit. How do I process this? How do I understand what Jesus is doing? How does Jesus relate to him? He brings, he puts a vision in his head of unclean and clean animals and says what God has made, let no man call unclean. The whole thing's about Jesus. Amen. Amen. I, I hope our listeners are, are getting just a, a glimpse. We're, we're taking a 30,000 foot overview flying over uh, because we, we want you to, uh, to check us on this. We want you to open up Leviticus uh, with, 
with these new gospel-centered lenses given to us by the book of Hebrews, given to us by the apostles uh, in the New Testament, and let the, the New Testament interpret for us, Jesus and the apostles interpret for us the book of Leviticus. And, and I believe that when you get this, when you begin to see that every single element from the temple to the sacrifices, to the cleanness, to the priest, to the animals, when you begin to see it, you begin to see all of it is pointing to Jesus. In fact, what Paul is doing, in, or not Paul, what the writer to the Hebrews, we don't know, we don't, we don't think it was Paul, but who, you know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fight you over Paul. I wouldn't yeah. fight you over that. Uh, what what the writer to the Hebrews is dealing with is he's dealing with uh, people who said yes I will be- yes I believe in Jesus but I also want to keep one foot in the sacrificial system mm, I want to hedge I want to hedge my bets I'm going to yep. bet on red and black uh, on the roulette wheel I'm going to bet on Jesus but also I want to continue um, I want to continue offering sacrifices in the temple. That's dispensationalism, Patrick. <laughs> That's another episode. Yep. And, and what the writer of the Hebrews is saying is that doesn't make any sense at all, right? As the, the TV commercial says, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Uh, but the, the, the better has come. The more perfect has come. The great high priest has come. All of that other stuff pointed forward to him. You cannot hedge your bets. You cannot have Jesus plus the sacrificial system, because if so, you are thumbing your nose at what Jesus did. You're not understanding what the sacrificial system was pointing toward to begin with. Absolutely. Scott, as we get ready to wrap this up, let me let me give, us, give our listeners one more. Because uh, if I, I felt like if I didn't uh, give us this one, I'd be missing a huge part of Levit- Leviticus. One of the things that we see in Leviticus um, in reminding uh, the Israelites of God's redemption on their behalf by rescuing them from Egypt is the institution of the Passover feast yeah. uh, and the feast of the unleavened bread. And so as um, you're given these feasts, there it's a reminder of what God did during that time period of which he was rescuing them from slavery, rescuing them out of Egypt um, and putting them into the promised land. And so there is a uh, guideline for what you should do during these feasts, during Passover and during the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, as it's a reminder of the time in which they had to sacrifice the lamb and put the, the blood of the, of the lamb over their doorpost so that the angel of death was pa- to pass over and spare the life of their firstborn, right? That's, that's what the Passover is about. We've talked about this before when we've talked about the Lord's Supper, but what does this have to do with Jesus? Again, everything. Because on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was eating the feast, celebrating the feast of the Passover and unleavened bread with his disciples. And he took that unleavened bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup symbolizing the shed blood of the lamb. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Drink it 
and remember that it, it is my shed blood for you. And then he says, as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so in this, this moment, even as we give the words of institution every single week, all we're doing is giving you commentary on Leviticus, Amen. like in, in, the, in that particular moment. And we're, we're pointing you to the true and better sacrificial lamb. We're 20, pointing you to a true and better fa- Passover that leads you to the Lord's Supper, where the, the risen sacrificed lamb who was slain for the sins, sins of his people uh, is present with you spiritually in that moment, you're dining with the, with the sacrificial lamb. And even in that meal, that meal in and of itself that we take is pointing to a true and better meal where in the new heavens and the new earth, we're going to dine at the wedding supper of the lamb. Amen. Amen. I think that's a great place to wrap up. We hope that this has been helpful of giving you an overview of the book of Leviticus. And we also would love it if you would, if this, if this has been helpful uh, for you, that you would tell your friends about assurance of pardon, that you would like rate and review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts that helps raise our visibility in the podcast space. If you have any questions, you can email us. What's our email address gauge? You can email us at contact at assuranceofpardon.com, or you can always just message us if you want to on the website at assuranceofpardon.com. And you can hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I'm obviously on Twitter, but Scott will see you on Facebook and Instagram because I'm still permanently banned, but that's okay. Uh, And until next time, this is Assurance of Pardon. God bless.